0: Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buker. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Bucher. Rick Buker. This is On the Ball on the United WeCast Network, and I am Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Bucher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. One of the characteristics of the Golden State Warriors that I have always appreciated over the last decade is their stark honesty. I'm sure there have been a few exceptions here and there, but for the most part, they don't spin or dodge questions or offer cookie-cutter answers or outright lie. At least not that I'm aware of. Some of you are going to hate that I bring his name up, but it's one of the things that LeBron James does all the time, and he doesn't do it particularly well. And then he'll walk it back when it doesn't land the way he had hoped or convince his audience of whatever he hoped to convince them of. But enough about LeBron. He and Kevin Durant are making not-so-subtle attempts to remain visible while the world's attention is on the NBA, even though they are sitting at home. What, you thought it was coincidence the news that he is now worth $1 billion came out during the NBA Finals? Where do you think outlets get that kind of information? How do you how do you think they get on the trail of something that, uh, that could be reported almost at any point? You could do April to April, you could do May to May, you could do June to June... Could have reported it anytime. The timing is not coincidental. Now, I get the business play for LeBron and KD, and I'm not mad at it, but I've come to a point in my life where if you've got more juice than me and are not cutting me in on the deal, I'm not going to take part. Up-and-comers, those looking to get a foot in the door, I'm happy to help if and when I can. But there's enough catering to the stars in the media these days that my services in that department are not needed. So, anybody who wants to promote, advertise, publicize for LeBron and KD when they're not the main main act, go have at it. I'll take a pass. So, back to the Warriors and their sharp self-awareness and willingness to give an honest assessment of themselves to themselves and to anyone who asks. I believe it's one of the reasons they've had the success that they have they've had they don't pretend all is good when it's not they don't judge themselves by the scoreboard or the standings either they set their own standards and if they're not meeting them they're not going to buy into anyone blowing smoke up their collective asses now it wasn't always that way with this franchise in fact it was quite the opposite there were years upon years of sugarcoating or exaggerating who they were and what they had. Uh, Setting the bar, if they did have a bar, setting it far lower than, well, they did go by the scoreboard. They did go by statistics. Now, Mark Jackson deserves credit for changing that as much as anyone, and I saw it firsthand. He came in with the mantra, we're not going to be the same old warriors, and he didn't care who he had to call out. He did it. Steph Curry and Draymond Green could have taken exception to that, but they embraced the approach and they've carried it forward. And the Warriors have done a good job of replacing Jackson with people who have the same attitude. Steve Kerr, Ron, assistant coach Ron Adams. I'll never forget Adams telling me in the midst of that run to a 73-9 and record that he did not like the way that they were playing. Uh, coincidentally enough, we had that conversation while we were in Boston. He felt they were developing bad habits that would eventually cost them, in large part because Steve Kerr wasn't there. If you remember, he was going through his issues with the spinal tap gone wrong, and Luke Walton was taking over, and while Luke did a great job for an assistant coach who'd never been a head coach before, he couldn't hold them to the same standard as the assistant coach being elevated for however however long he didn't know, but he knew it was temporary. And indeed, Adam's words came to bear in the series with Oklahoma City. By all rights, they should have never made it to the finals that year after going 73-9, falling behind 3-1 to the Thunder. Everyone now overlooks that in the wake of them blowing their own 3-1 lead in the finals. But I'd say, if we really take a step back, them falling behind 3-1 to the still up-and-coming Thunder was more of a shock after going 73-9. and Well, as much of a shock, let's say that, as blowing the 3-1 lead in the finals. At least that was explainable with Andrew Bogut going out, Draymond Green being suspended, etc., etc., etc. The falling behind 3-1 to the Thunder was simply a reflection of the Thunder being able to exploit some of the things that Ron Adams was seeing in mid-season. I bring all this up because I don't know how or I don't know exactly how honest they are being with themselves now, coming out of their Game 1 loss to the Boston Celtics. I don't believe that if they are being dishonest, it's not intentional. It's simply they don't want to admit what's really going on. Now, the general theme in comments made by Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson after the game one loss is that there is no reason for concern. Draymond pointed out that the Warriors dominated most of the game, 41 to 42 minutes. And I don't know if that's quite the number, but they were ahead the vast majority of the game. Clay said he missed open shots that should have gone down and that the Celtics' onslaught of threes. Is not likely to happen again inferred that didn't say it directly insinuated it staff talked about there being no reason to panic because the value of having been in the finals five previous times is that they have faced difficult set situations before on this stage and overcome them to be successful all of which is true they weren't always successful they didn't win every time they went to the finals so they didn't overcome every obstacle but they've certainly overcome a lot of them in various ways so we can say all of that is true they weren't they weren't lying or they weren't being dishonest or they weren't spinning when they were on the podium after game 1 but what may also be true is that they are not quite the same as those previous teams that overcame those obstacles and that they may be facing a team in the celtics particularly suited to take advantage of the ways in which they are not the same. The most notable ways in which they are not the same, as those previous iterations of the Warriors, are what Clay and Draymond are at the defensive end, which means the Warriors are not the same at the defensive end. The first note I wrote while watching Game 1, and yes, I wrote it, I still use notebook to take notes as I'm watching the game. I've done it on an iPad. I've done it on a computer. Just feels better writing it. Call me old school. In any case, first note, Golden State pick and roll defense looking suspect. Another one was, Draymond quietly has had a one for six start and is not scaring anyone defensively. And another one, Jalen Brown clearly thinks he can take clay whenever he wants. Now, these were all first half notes, mind you, well before the fourth quarter. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Avalanche. Now, why is all that important? The last time the Warriors were in the finals, Clay and Draymond were their best defenders. Andre Iguodala was right there with them, at least in the early years. Iguodala made his postseason debut, by the way, in Game 1, and was remarkably effective for someone who hadn't played in five weeks. But it was mostly at the offensive end, where he made three or four shots and dished out three assists in 12 minutes. And despite that super offensive efficiency, he finished a minus six. In his first stint in the game, end of the first quarter, He tried to defend Jason Tatum at the rim on a fast break and wound up not only giving up the layup, but fouling him for an and-one and then landed awkwardly. None of this, by the way, was a revelation to the Celtics. Someone from the organization told me about an hour before the game that they were not worried about finding players they could target to get what they wanted offensively. Their concern was not letting the Warriors blitz them offensively, get on one of their furious scoring stretches that would create a deficit too big to overcome. Now, the Warriors did threaten several times to do exactly that, holding double-digit leads in the second, third, and fourth quarters. But none grew larger than 15, and in today's NBA, that's equivalent to an eight-point lead back before nearly half the shots taken in a game were three-pointers and teams became capable of making damn near half of those this is where I believe the Warriors came away from game one not fully grasping why they lost the insinuation by Clay Steph and Draymond was that the Celtics were not only incredible from three-point range but that the Celtics making those threes is not likely to happen again at least not at the same clip Al Horford made six of eight Marcus Smart made four of seven Derek White made five of eight Peyton Pritchard made two of three. Daniel Tice, playing only six minutes, even made his one three-point attempt. So I can see why, looking at the box score, somebody might come to that conclusion. As a team, the Celtics shot a robust 51% from beyond the arc. But what all that doesn't take into account is that three of their most prolific three-point shooters were non-factors. Jason Tatum missed four of his five attempts. Jalen Brown missed six of his eight. Grant Williams, whose three-point shooting was a huge factor in every previous series, missed his only attempt and was scoreless in Game 1. And the Warriors did not shoot the three poorly at all themselves and received outside con- outsized contributions from complementary players as well. Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Bialica and Iguodala were a combined 6-for-8 off the bench. As a team, they made 19, which is only two fewer overall than the Celtics, and they shot a very respectable 42%. An outstanding clip considering Boston had previously held their postseason opponents closer to 30%, the third-best mark of all playoff teams, trailing only Philadelphia and New Orleans. The Warriors have not been nearly as good defending the three in the postseason ranking 12th among the 16 playoff teams in opponents three-point percentage anybody who watched the dallas mavericks series can attest to that probably the memphis series as well they left a lot of people open it's just they simply weren't capable of knocking them all down and it wasn't just beyond the arc that boston found success They shot 50% inside the arc as well and got into the paint at will. 34 of their 44 two-point shots were from inside the paint, making 14 of them. The Warriors didn't get into the paint as much and didn't score as well. If there's a number that could be hard to replicate from either team, it's the Warriors shooting 50% from mid-range, making 5 of 10. Finally, there's the Jordan Poole issue. I stood courtside watching him warm up, and while he was clearly amped up, as you would expect for someone making their first NBA Finals appearance, his shot looked good, especially from long range. His ability to get into the paint has been a lethal weapon for the Warriors throughout these playoffs, but he never got to the rim once in Game 1. Made only one of his four threes, and missed his only shot in the paint. He also had four turnovers. More important, as I predicted before the series started, he was invisible on defense, finishing with the worst plus-minus of any player who played. Minus 19. At one point, he fouled Tatum as Tatum crossed midcourt with the ball. Jalen Brown went by him so easily, no help defender had a chance of getting near him before he finished with a dunk. And that might just be the biggest issue the Warriors face. Poole's offense has been instrumental in creating space for Steph and Clay. Up until now, Warriors opponents didn't have enough quality defenders, especially around the rim, to keep Steph, Clay, and Poole at bay. The Celtics do. When Marcus Smart goes out, Derek White comes in. Peyton Pritchard, underrated defender, gets after it. There was a stretch midway through the fourth quarter when the warriors displayed their trademark offense their four horsemen clay steph iguodala and draymond were on the floor together and the ball and bodies were moving and it was crunch time and you thought this is what we've been waiting for this is them recapturing that magic Iguadala cut down the baseline and took a feed from Draymond for a dunk. Steph found Clay for a three. Iguadala returned the favor and found Draymond for a layup. Curry drilled a mid-range jumper. But this is what was different. There wasn't silence at the other end of the floor. The Celtics answered every one of those baskets. The Warriors actually started that stretch with a five-point lead and when it was over, the lead had been reduced to four. A white three-pointer Derek white three-pointer then sliced it to one a nervous murmur rose from the chase center crowd curry silenced it for a second by making another two-pointer but white answered with another three and the game was tied at 103 all over the final five minutes the Celtics then outscored the Warriors 17-5 to and that included a relatively meaningless three by Bielitsa with 16 seconds left and the outcome already decided. The Celtics only missed four shots in the final five minutes and Horford cleaned up one of them with an offensive rebound, setting up Smart for a three. That means in the final five minutes, they had three scoreless possessions. The Warriors... Over the same span, with Jordan, Clay, Poole, and Draymond on the floor, had eight. Now, the Warriors are sure to make adjustments. The Celtics have been notorious throughout these playoffs for flexing their capabilities and then going flat in the very next contest. The series has by no means been decided. Closing a series against a team with championship experience is a far greater challenge than upsetting them in Game 1. If Boston displays the same carelessness they did against the heat, the Warriors are more than capable of making them pay and pay dearly. But for all the talk by the Warriors that they' faced this kind of circumstance many times before and found answers, this is different. In their first run to a title, they never lost the first game of a series. In 2016, it only happened once. It never happened in 2017, nor 2018 and only once in 2019 that in 19 2019 was also the only time they've dropped game one in the finals and we know how that turned out toronto prevailed in six games and that game one was on the road so if the warriors are truly honest with themselves they're going to acknowledge that they've never been in this situation before not in the finals and not with a team that has as many questions to answer as this one. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. By the way, don't forget my primary sponsor for this podcast is Mizzen and Main. It is menswear made out of performance material. You know how good your workout gear feels how form-fitting it is how good you look in it well they make shirts slacks you name it out of that same material but they make it in a high fashion way if you've seen me on tv you've seen me wearing their clothes that's how good it looks and right now i have a bonus for you if you use the promo code bucher b-u-c-h-e-r three five they will give you $35 off of any order. Buker, Bucher, B-U-C-H-E-R-3-5 is the promo code and the company is Mizen and Main. M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N. As soon as I wrap up this podcast, I am headed to the practice session for game two. And I don't know if we'll have a preview episode or whether we'll simply wait for game two to unfold but you will get another podcast episode on the finals in the next day or so in the meantime as always thanks for listening